I'll just give a brief personal introduction. Uh, it's true, uh, I'm new, or fairly new as far as executive directors go with Refuge. We came back from overseas last January, so right before COVID hit, and none of us knew that was coming, but I began in February with Refuge, and we served a number of years overseas, mostly in India and a little bit in Thailand, and so we're still mostly settled in Louisville. Uh, Louisville was home to us in the sense that we often came back here for furlough, but it's been a, a first settling for a, an indefinite period, and uh, we're, we're glad to be here. I'm, I'm married. I have two. We have two daughters, ages 19 and 16, and we live in downtown J-Town. So I, I want to start, uh, before getting to some of the ministry offerings that uh, Pastor Nick alluded to, I want to just share briefly a, a connection that I have with the Anglican Church. So this was a first for me today, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, really, I was blessed by your message as well. Um, but the, the connection is through my, my studies, and uh, I wrote my dissertation on an obscure missionary named William Ward. I'll be surprised if anyone's heard of him. Anyone? Okay. Uh, he's one of the Serampore Trio, whose most famous member is William Carey. Anyone heard of William Carey? A few, few people maybe. He's called, or known by some, as the father of modern uh, missions. Not all would agree with that perhaps, but he was sent out by the particular Baptist Missionary Society formed in 1792. Now there was an Anglican uh, agency called the Society for the Propagation of Christian Knowledge that was in India before that time, but they weren't in the habit of sending out their own. So they supervised a Danish-German mission in Trankabar in South India. And so none from the English-speaking West had really gone to India for the express purpose of evangelizing the native population. So Kerry, because of that, had a hard time convincing those in his own denomination that there should be a mission to the, the heathen in, in India. Uh, they weren't so keen on that. So ironically, it was an Anglican minister that was one of Carey's first champions. And this was an Anglican minister that I'm, I'm sure you've heard of, the converted slave trader John Newton. So you've heard of, heard of him. And so John Clark Marshman, who wrote the earliest history of the Serapore Mission, records that the only minister from whom Mr. Carey experienced any warmth of sympathy was a member of the established church, the venerable John Newton, who advised him with the fidelity and tenderness of a father. And so even before William Carey went to India, he was in a breakfast group, and I would have thought this was kind of a new thing to get together over breakfast, but John Newton, with other ministers that he was mentoring, got together for breakfast periodically. And so he welcomed this lowly Baptist brother into their uh, breakfast group and was mentoring him, but it doesn't stop there. Uh, he... John Newton and evangelical activist William Wilberforce successfully lobbied the Archbishop of Canterbury so that several gospel ministers known to Newton were appointed to the Bengal Anglican Mission. So not all in the Anglican Church were of an evangelical persuasion, but John Newton knew some that were and made sure that they were appointed to go to India. 
Um, but it doesn't stop there even. When William Ward sailed with his companions in 1799 aboard an American ship that was piloted by a devout Presbyterian named Benjamin Wicks, they sailed with a letter from John Newton commending them to the Anglican chaplains of the East India Company. The reverends David Brown and Claudius Buchanan, and the latter of those two was in the same breakfast group that John Newton led, that William Carey was in. So when they finally arrived in India, this letter from John Newton was taken by Captain Wicks, the Presbyterian, the American, because the British Baptists were not permitted to be in Bengal because they were there as missionaries. And the East India Company wouldn't have any of it. And so they gave this letter, and that gave them some favor, and they eventually settled in the Danish settlement of Serampore. So anyway, that's... Uh, uh, but but, but as, as I read, you know, it, as I was studying uh, William Ward, and he was one of the Serampore trio, uh, there was a beautiful relationship in that day between these... Baptist and Anglican brothers and the Presbyterian captain whenever he would come through. Uh, they prayed together. Uh, they uh, even, I believe, took the Lord's Supper together in a fellowship. Uh, the Baptists were not permitted to preach in the Anglican churches there in, uh, in Calcutta. Uh, but they had a beautiful relationship and cooperation for the sake of the gospel. And uh, that was one of the most uh, endearing aspects of uh, of, of my study was just to observe that. So I mentioned that uh, not because Refuge is a Baptist organization. It's, we're not. Uh, we're not a Baptist organization. But I mentioned this Anglican-Baptist partnership from the outset because of its beauty. And it's a picture of the Catholic universal body of Christ which will be united in glory without any division, united for the fellowship, for fellowship and the sake of the gospel, and I'm thankful that Refuge enjoys similar relationships. That's, that's all that to say that, that I'm really <laughs> thankful uh, for the relationship that we have with you, Grace Anglican. And, um, and that's one of my goals is that we become more diverse in our partnerships with those that are doctrinally of like mind but of, of different denominations. That's my hope going forward. And some of that has begun uh, to take place. Um, so as Paul prayed with joy because of his partnership in the gospel with the Philippian church, I also pray with joy for Grace Anglican Church because of our partnership in the gospel. And a lot of times when we do these volunteer previews, I'm going into the church and the church may not have much of an existing partnership with us. So I go in thinking, okay, what what scripture do I come from today to present the compelling need to befriend refugees and immigrants? As I was thinking about preparing for this time, I didn't feel that same need because you've already been partnering with the Sayadis and with Innocent and his family. So I don't feel that I need to convince you of the need to do that. I think you already get God's heart for the stranger and for the refugee, for the alien uh, or the sojourner. It's called by different names in Scripture. But the verse that we uh, quote often is Leviticus 19.44, that you're to treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you're to love him as yourself, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. Um, and this is 
really the foundation. Uh, and spiritually speaking also, we were strangers. We were alienated from God in our sin, and through Christ we've been brought near and adopted into his family. So I want to just say thanks, and I don't think George Paz is no longer here, but thank you, George, anyway, because I know he was the first one to head up the partnership with the Sayadis, whom I met this morning uh, for the first time, and I'm just so glad to see them here. Uh, also, Sarah Murray. Okay, okay. <laughs> but thank you, Sarah, also, uh, because she headed up the partnership with Innocence Family. And, uh, and thank you, Rachel, because uh, <laughs> you are here. <laughs> right. uh, I'm, I'm excited about what God's going to do next. Um, and um, thank you, Reverend Landon, for your responsiveness when I've reached out. I've enjoyed the, the growing friendship there. Um, so, in God's kind sovereignty, he has brought the nations to Louisville. And I think this is a switch sometimes in the mindset of churches. We tend to think of missions as foreign. You go there and do missions. But God's really turning the tables on us these days. And I know it's kind of a hot topic, just depending on what angle you come at it from. But... In his sovereignty, he's bringing the nations to us, and especially to Louisville. Uh, Louisville, I've heard, is one of seven places in the United States where Afghan refugees will be settled. So you might not think it, but Louisville ranks, uh, Kentucky in general, Louisville in particular, ranks regularly in the top five or six in the nation in terms of total numbers of refugees settled in a given year. So it's really uh, unique, the opportunity here. There are roughly seven to 8,000 Bhutanese Nepali refugees in the city, uh, kicked out of Bhutan first, then to Nepal, and then here after a, an experience in the refugee camp. Roughly 15,000 Somalis. And these numbers are ones I've heard from the community, so I can't, I can't source these, but I've heard them multiple times. 55,000 Cuban. I've heard from multiple Cubans that Louisville is second only to Miami in terms of Cuban population in the United States. Um, Syrians, Iraqis, Congolese, they're the top group. Burmese, Ethiopian, and more. I heard just yesterday when I was with my family at the History Museum that in JCPS, 86 languages are represented. So it's just a tremendous diversity. Uh, around 150 Afghan families here already. And we've heard 350 to 500 Afghan families are on their way in a matter of weeks. So it's very likely your next family will be uh, Afghani. It's very, very likely. Um, so in our time together, uh, this is timely. It uh, feels very timely because we have a, a new banner on our website advertising the, an acute need for more cogeners. Uh, so And thankfully, we are having a lot more in, uh, interest from churches these days to see how they can help. So you've done what we call co-journing, just coming alongside. It used to be called welcome teams, I think, when you started this. But it's just coming alongside a new refugee or immigrant family to help them get acclimated to life in America. That's the, it's a short-term, meeting a short-term need, help them get on their feet, become more independent. 
and hopefully along the way smell the aroma of Christ uh, on you. And we always pray that that will be from life to life. Um, But we do have other opportunities that are open to individuals, to families, and community groups. Uh, So that's what we want to share with you about today. And at the end, we'll have some time for questions and answers. So if you just want to talk about, you know, Afghan refugees that are coming, we can do that at the end. I think that's on everyone's uh, mind. Uh, Or if you have specific questions about some of the offerings that we're going to share with you right now, um, just so you know kind of how we understand ourselves and these uh, ministry offerings. Sometimes we'll call them programs, but we understand that it is Pastor Nick's role and, and that of the other leaders to equip the saints for ministry. That's what Scripture teaches. And so as we, we don't want to undermine or supplant that role, but as he, they equip you saints for ministry, these are ministry opportunities in the specific context of refugees and immigrants. So that's how we understand these. They're, they're ministry opportunities. They don't take the place of the church. We don't want to take the place of the church as, as an organization, but we offer these as, as ministry opportunities. We provide introductions. We provide orientation, tools, support. Um, but uh, we, we do that alongside the church. That's very integral to our, to our mission. Um, okay, so Lacey will share of three different opportunities and then I'll share about two, and then we'll have some time for questions and answers. So they could, if, questions about anything you hear today, or if you just want to uh, ask about Afghan refugees or something we haven't spoken about, we'll try to do our best to answer. But let me pray, and then Lacey, I'll ask you to come up. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for the redeeming blood of Christ, who redeemed a people for your glory. Uh, Father, we thank you for the strength of that blood. Uh, We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And Father, I just thank you for these brothers and sisters uh, that are new to me, but known to you. And Father, thank you that we are in the same body by faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Call out of darkness into your marvelous light and out of slavery and adopted now as sons in Christ. Father, I just thank you for the faithful service of Grace Anglican uh, with the Sayadis, with Innocent uh, and his family. And Father, I just thank you for ongoing desire to be involved in this kind of ministry. And Father, I echo um, the, the words of, of, of Rachel and, and, and Nick Lord, in praying that you would provide a special family, Uh, you know the family that would be the best fit, and I just pray that you would arrange that. And Father, I pray even as we share of different opportunities, I just pray that you would uh, raise up laborers for your harvest field, Father, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so my name is Lacey Monahan, and my husband Reed and I started working with Refuge about three weeks before Matt came. So <laughs> we have we have learned a lot together, and it's been really a joy to just work and kind of help Refuge kind of take on more specific 
sure lane of what we do and don't do um, over the last year and a half. So we've been really thankful. Um, my husband and I both served overseas in different locations. I was in North Africa for about five years, and my husband was in um, East Asia or China uh, for about five years. And so we really do just love that we get to work with people from the nations here in Louisville now, because we just really feel like God has given us a heart for that. And we're learning more all the time. <laughs> we never get to a point where we're not learning. So i um, thankful to be in a job that's forgiving and allows us to continue to learn about God's heart for his people. So. Um, as Matt said, I'm going to just share about three ministry opportunities that Refuge does have. Um, the first one is English mentoring, um, which is the one-to-one um, teaching of English. And the second is Coffee, who is headed up by Sarah Elizabeth. Um, and that is more the classroom-based ESL. And then the third one is Right Start. So in the other room over there, Stevie Trevino heads up Right Start. And that's more so um, just setting up foundational reading skills for kids of refugee families from about kindergarten to fifth grade ish it's a little bit lenient so um so the first thing i'm going to share about is english mentoring and like i said that's the one-to-one teaching opportunity that addresses really a refugee's greatest need you guys have worked with families you know that man it is sometimes a struggle if one or none of the family (laughs) speaks english and so it really is just a huge need Um, when we do outreach or um, just even our referrals, the, the number one need that we get is for, for teaching English. So this really does meet um, just a tangible need that a refugee or immigrant can be feeling. Um, and also with English mentoring, it kind of just overcomes a lot of the obstacles that can teach people or can, that can keep people from learning English. So a lot of times when um, someone has to leave their home or needs to find childcare or needs to rearrange a work schedule, it can just make it that much harder to learn English. So this kind of eliminates or kind of smooths out a lot of those obstacles by meeting in their home. So like a mother with children can still meet and learn English. Um, and it's, it's a flexible schedule. <laughs> it's not like they only have one opportunity on a Tuesday night to, to learn English. And so um, I really like this program or this ministry offering for that reason is that it really does kind of decentralize the whole thought of kind of ESL classroom-based learning. Um, And so, yeah, we're meeting a tangible need, but also there is the hope of the long game of being able to share the gospel with this person, depending on where their their English level is at. And so holding those two things in tension, I'm sure that you guys have felt that as you've come alongside these families of of meeting them in their need, but also really wanting to point them to the true hope of Christ. And so, um, yeah, holding those two things in tension is just difficult, but it's also just so worthwhile. So I'm a story person. I love stories. And so I'm just going to share just like about a couple of our volunteers in the English mentoring program, just so you can kind of have a picture of it. And for those of you who have been doing co-journeying over the last few years, they might maybe sound a little bit familiar um, or maybe even a little bit dear to you. So one of our volunteers, her name is Julianne. Um, She works with a woman from Burma. And this woman speaks about zero English, at least that that was true when they started meeting about six or seven months ago. But slowly and surely, um, Julianne has watched this woman make progress. And um, about midsummer, Julianne texted me. She's like, we were able to have our first spiritual conversation. I told her about church and what I believe and as simply as I could. And so, you know, it takes a long time to maybe be able to share a simple truth. But little by little, God does that. And he does allow um, people to gain access to English, but also to himself through this process. 
Um, another one of our volunteers, her name is Jody. She meets with a woman from Syria. And this woman from Syria is also one of my really good friends. And so Jody has been meeting with this woman for about seven or eight months. And um, whenever I ask this Syrian friend of mine, I'm like, oh, how are things going with Jody? And she's like, everyone in my family loves Jody. Everyone loves Jody. And so again, it's not just teaching English, it's getting woven into the fabric of their lives. Um, finally, I'll share about Riley. Riley meets with a man from Venezuela. And um, I would say that maybe this man from Venezuela is like a mid beginner, so he could speak a little bit of English. But Riley has just been able to open up the scriptures with this man. He's been able to take him to have you back to Spanish-speaking service because of his interests. And even this past week, um, Riley emailed me. He's like, would you just pray for this friend of mine? Um, he's taking in all this truth, but he hasn't made a decision yet. But he's just on the cusp of it. And so it's just really cool to see from different levels just how God uses this um, for, his, for people's good and ultimately for his glory. Um, I will say that it's not always easy. Another story is uh, one of our volunteers named Jacob, who is a persevering saint. Um, yeah, sometimes people will show a real interest in English, but then later on, family or jobs or just different circumstances can kind of just take away um, their willingness or maybe just even their desire. Um, so Jacob, we didn't pair him just once or twice. We paired him three times before he finally started meeting with someone, but they've been able to have a really sweet friendship um, and relationship since then. So it's not always easy, but um, as far as maybe considering this option of serving, um, we don't expect everyone to be an ESL teacher. Um, so we do give you some equipping. We have a resource document. And then of course, like Matt said, I will be a resource to you. Um, and the commitment time is what we think about a semester. So four to six months is kind of what our commitment time is for an English mentor. Of course, you're not gonna to totally learn a language in that time, um, but we would hope that maybe you could continue meeting with them or you'd have established a relationship with them, um, a friendship with them where you can continue to be in their life. Um, but yeah, I think just to end with English mentoring so that I can just share about the other ministry offerings that we have is, um, and that Matt will probably talk about this too, English mentoring, it can sometimes, maybe even when I'm talking about it, it can kind of sound like a one-way street. But really, any ministry offering is a two-way street. Um, you're going to receive just as much as what you're serving. And so what I mean by that is, like, even for me personally working with some refugee families, I've learned a lot about sacrifice. <laughs> I've learned a lot about hospitality. Um, I've learned a lot about family. Um, and so, yeah, um, you can be in their life for maybe just an hour or two a week teaching English, but you will also receive a lot in that hour or two um, just seeing and meeting with them. So um, I really am passionate about English. That's what I did overseas. That's what I'm doing here. And so I really do um, love this, this um, ministry. Um, another thing, so this is kind of not the opposite, but holds hands with English mentoring is our coffee ministry. So coffee stands for community of English community of friends focused on effective English. So um, it has been uh, a partner with Refuge for probably the last four, five years. Um, and this is more the classroom-based ESL work that is done. Um, I also really like this because there's lots of different ways to serve in this ministry. So there's volunteer offer to opportunities for teaching, assistant teaching, logistics and intake, childcare, hospitality, transportation. 
because like I said, there are barriers to learning English. And so coffee really does just take everyone being able to be on board to help get people to these areas um, so that they can learn English. Um, so kind of the structure of coffee is they do meet for two hours a week. Um, we have three different locations. I'll share those at the end here. Um, but they have kind of a unique structure. So it's not just straight English. They meet for 45 minutes for English teaching. And then they have about 30 minutes of like hospitality. So um, all levels will come and they'll kind of gather in one area and then they'll have coffee and then they'll have like a Bible storying time where they're sharing a, a truth. So I think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's about 20 points where they're going through really the whole of scripture to show um, the story of Jesus. And so during those meetings, they will stop, they'll have coffee and tea, and then they'll do this gospel storying time, and then they finish out the last 45 minutes doing ESL classroom work um, specific to their level, which I just think is really cool. So what those um, kind of even going into, how does this all work? Um, so there's not just teaching, even though teaching is a very vital part of this ministry. There's other serving hospitality. So maybe you and your kids or you and your family want to come serve tea, cookies, um, fill up water glasses, things like that. It's a great way to serve. So even children can come in and help. Um, child care. So a lot of these people have several children that they're bringing along with them that need to be taken care of while they're learning English. Um, so loving on refugee kids is a great way um, to serve in coffee ministry. Also transporta transportation. So a lot of times people are needing rides to, to go learn English. And so um, can't remember the name of the volunteer but he has like a 15 passenger van and they'll just go pick up people and, and take them to and from um, so again just another little facet um, that is needed um, to make this ministry work if you're a great storyteller they would love for you to come <laughs> and tell um, share that little gospel truth during the um, hospitality time if you're really good at logistics or even secretarial work, they need intake um, for testing these people that are coming in and out of the classrooms. So there's lots of ways to serve with coffee. I could probably go more into detail with all those things, um, but there's lots of inner working pieces to make the whole of this happen. Um, so really, this can apply to a lot of people, <laughs> not just those who have a pension for ESL teaching, even though that is also really needed. Um, but individuals, families, couples um, can be a part of this ministry. So there's three locations, like I said. Um, one is Tuesday evenings from 6.30 to 8.30 at Forest Baptist Church. Um, the other one is at Hope Place, and they meet on Friday mornings from 10 to noon. And then we have a very new location, Farmdale Baptist, and they meet Sunday afternoons from 4 to 6. And so if you need me to repeat those, you can come see me afterwards too. But um, Coffee meets year-round, um, taking the month of June and the month of December off. So they kind of have these um, five-month rotations that they're on. Um, and yeah, since I like stories, <laughs> uh, just something that I can say about coffee is I've, I've volunteered on various times where maybe someone doesn't show up to teach or they need someone for childcare. And so I, I have been there, and it's just so cool to see um, how God uses this ministry. Um, Sarah lives with, loves telling this story about this Iraqi woman who's also one of my friends. And um, during the, the times, they'll have like a very simplified Bible verse where all the students will read um, these Bible verses. And so Sarah Elizabeth loves telling the story about this Iraqi woman who will literally be reading like Jesus is the son of God. 
um, during their times together. Um, and so really it is just giving really little simple um, gospel truths to these individuals while at the same time meeting a great need of theirs of learning English. So finally, I'm going to talk about Right Start. And again, you can hear Stevie over there. <laughs> um, and Stevie has done a great job of, of really running Right Start. So I wish she was here to talk to you about it. Um, but Right Start is kind of the classroom-based tutoring program where refugee children can come to one of our welcome centers and learn foundational reading skills to help them thrive in school. So the primary focus of this program was to kind of maybe to be more homework help, um, but it has turned mainly and predominantly into helping them with reading because if they can't read, it's really hard to get involved or even grow in a lot of other foundational learning skills. Um, so tutors will work with groups of children in like small groups or individually um, to help reinforce certain reading skills, play games, and then they help like also group activities and things like that. Um, but so my husband and I actually um, did this this summer and we laughed a lot because these kids are great and they're very eager to learn. Um, but what's cool is like you get to help them read and then you read to them and Stevie has some great gospel storying books that we just have been able to read with these kids. The kids ask a lot of questions like they're very curious um, and yeah they ask great questions even really good gospel centered questions. And then they play with Legos or do an art project or something. Legos are definitely the highlight, I will say, but they, they have a lot of fun. And again, I think I said this at the beginning, but this ministry offering is kind of designed more for kindergarten through fifth grade um, area range. I will say, of all the ministry offerings we have, this one is probably the easiest ministry to jump into. Um, it's at a site, it's at a scheduled time, and these kids, they know it's there, so they, they like sometimes show up at your door. Um, they, they are ready to go. And, and again, this can kind of go for, for anyone, singles, couples, families. Stevie has four children, and she takes all four of her children with her every time she serves. And so her two oldest will also be reading one-to-one -one with some of these kids. And so it's a really easy way to get involved um, and be a part of these kids' lives in a really needed way. Um, I would even say just even the couple months that Reed and I were a part of it, kids are little sponges. <laughs> they, they really started to excel. You could really see a difference in some of them um, as they were just learning how to read um, better throughout the couple of months that we met with them. So we have two different locations um, for welcome centers that are meeting. Um, the Norfolk Welcome Center, the Refuge's original <laughs> welcome center, I guess. Um, they meet three nights a week. And they meet Tuesdays at 6, Wednesdays at 5.15, and then Fridays at 6, and it's just for an hour. Um, then we have a new welcome center with new flooring, now, now some um, new donated furniture, and it's just about ready to open um, since it's been re-renovated. Re re um, and so that location is in need of dire volunteers. So if this even appeals to you a little bit talk to Stevie, she, will, she would love to try to get you involved um, in this. So, yeah, um, I actually just talked to one volunteer who is currently doing Right Start, and um, any, at any point at one of these nights, there's eight to 10 kids. And so when you have eight to 10 kids who all want to be read with individually, all want to be met with individually, you need a lot of volunteers. And then so this volunteer is just working, her and her husband, like Reed and I, or just me, just two of us, 
we would love to have more volunteers um, be a part of this because as you read to them, they're getting something that they won't get at home. So a lot of these kids aren't being read to in English at home because their parents can't or don't have the, the means or time to do that. So um, I know it seems like something so simple. And again, Stevie could probably say this in ways that I couldn't. Uh, it is just super meaningful and it's super helpful for these kids to be read to in English um, and just individually met with. So I am going to end on that note and I will let the note come up. And uh, on, I'll just add one thing to what she said about Right Start. Since we are about to open a new welcome center in the Beachmont neighborhood in the south, uh, it's possible, and we're asking churches if they want to, that a church can sign up for a time slot in an, in an evening perhaps, and the church could supply all of the volunteers for that particular Right Start uh, reading time. Right now, it hasn't taken shape that way, so you might have volunteers from different churches meeting together at a certain time to conduct Right Start. But it could be that churches decide, we'll own this time slot, we'll cover it for this particular purpose. Um, And we're also open to talking with churches about using our welcome centers strategically in other ways. So a conversation club or a cooking class. Um, the sky's the limit, a, a, a girl's dance class. I mean, the sky's the limit, really. Uh, ladies' tea or coffee. Uh, many of the refugee women are at home during the day, and we have these facilities, and we'd like to see them used. So truly, I, I, I tell churches, church leaders all the time, it's, real, it's really as simple as uh, them deciding that they'd like to kind of establish a strategic presence in the refugee neighborhood. Uh, these communities of the, the uh, apartments there are owned and, and managed by Launch Properties, which is our partner. So they're a for-profit company, a public benefit company that invests in affordable housing in areas of the city where they have high concentrations of refugees and immigrants. So they don't turn away American tenants. They can't, can't do that. But they treat the refugees so well, and word of mouth gets out, and, and they, they tend to have a very high number of refugee and immigrant tenants. And then they give us access there. So we have space there, and the kids can walk to these locations. So it really is a neat opportunity. And I also am an English mentor, so my mentee is a six foot five uh, Cuban man, and, uh, and uh, really. Yeah, it's it's been a real blessing, uh, and everything Lacey said about it is 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 spot on. It takes time; it's slow, but gradually you get to know the person. And we read a paragraph long Bible story, uh, not every time, but a lot of times. This is one of the resources in the English Mentoring Guide, and uh, that's prompted a lot of good conversation. And uh, just this weekend, I did something that had been on my do list for a long time and bought an English-Spanish Bible for him because I thought, you know, while we're reading these paragraph versions of the Bible story, it has the full passage there in reference. Why couldn't he read it, you know, on his own in Spanish? And so um, praying that God will, will use that even for his salvation. So two, two more I'm going to share about. Um, one is called Community Impact. 
And this is run by Lacey's husband, Reed. And Community Impact is uh, kind of our reverse order ministry offering because with cojourning and English mentoring, we provide the introduction to the refugee or immigrant. You don't have to go out and find someone to begin a relationship with. But with Community Impact, uh, in this case, we equip you to think missionally about your community in Louisville. So, for example, Reed talks with volunteers about decoding the city and kind of opening your eyes so that you start to recognize where refugees and immigrants of different nationalities gather at parks or ethnic grocery stores and kind of put them on on the map for the volunteer. And then he leads them out to those parks. This has been a popular one with young men especially because they go, they play soccer at Wyandotte Park on Taylor Boulevard. That's a, a real hot spot. Uh, Iroquois Park is one that we haven't really exploited yet, but again, a lot of people gather there. Uh, Black Mud Park in Newburgh and the Norfolk Acres Park there behind Bill Collins Ford on Bardstown Road. I've even seen uh, Nepalis playing cricket in Butchel Park. So you go to these parks at the right time and you can get in their games and then through that sporting event uh, begin relationships with them. And I know of at least one story where a brother from 3rd Avenue Baptist went to Wyandotte Park, met a Venezuelan man playing soccer, and just invited him to come to worship with him, and the next Sunday he came. And so things like that, that happen. And uh, if you like spontaneity, you like or you don't like structure, <laughs> uh, this, is, this is the one for you. Uh, we haven't had a lot of women do this yet, but we've... we've kind of uh, hypothesized how it could work. And so it could be, you know, going to one of the African braiding places or something like that. I mean, it, it can be done. We just, uh, so if, if some of you ladies would like to help pioneer that, we would love to do it. Um, and lastly, cojourning. And you already know about this, so I'm not going to say uh, much about it, except that we do have an acute need right now for um, cojourners to walk alongside Afghan refugees. And um, you're, you're the only church that does it as an entire church, which is really uh, neat. Uh, I think the, the way I've heard from Rachel that you divide it up with one person focusing on transportation and one person on children and maybe one person um, on English, I think that's exemplary in many ways. And I've shared your example with others. But in some other churches, they'll have a community group cojourning with a family or a family with a family. We tend not to pair an individual with an entire family because it's just too much. And so, but this is short term. It's usually meeting specific needs. So we've had cojourners help people get their driver's license. Um, We have one brother that has walked alongside a Pakistani refugee through four or five failed attempts to get his permit because during COVID, he couldn't have someone go with him. And unlike Spanish, they didn't offer the driver's test in his language, Urdu. And uh, he finally got his license, or his permit. And then he misunderstood when he could go to take his license. And he showed up and they said, you've got to wait a month. So it's just, uh, but they need people to help them understand uh, how that works. 
And all of these are opportunities for relationships through which we pray the love of Christ will be seen in word and deed. Uh, we, we tell our volunteers often that we're not about bait and switch, that we hold something out and then they come and we just bang them over the head with a Bible. That's, that's not what we're about. Uh, we also are not about only offering services to refugees that show interest in the gospel. We never can tell that ahead of time. So we genuinely want to do what we say we're going to do. Uh, but our prayer, our motivation is, is Christ. And our prayer is that through the interaction, he'll be made known and, and received. So that's all. Um, any questions? Uh, oh, one, one last thing. There are brochures out here. It's a brand new brochure that I gave to, to, to Pastor Nick. It tells everything about how to get involved. Uh, you can scan a, a, a QR code there, and it takes you right to the application. So if you're interested in any of these, that's how you can get involved. Just scan the code, and it has the different steps listed on the back, so it tells you what to expect. And our operations manager, Liz Anderson, you'll receive an email from her regarding next steps. So it's a pretty simple application process. We do ask you to go through ministry safe awareness training and a background check just because you'll be in homes where children are present. And we want the refugees to know that these have been vetted uh, families. So, but yeah, any, any questions? I'll hand it over. Well, if there aren't any more questions, why don't you close us in prayer? Okay. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time together. And Lord, we thank you for the way that you are bringing the nations to our doorstep. And Father, we just pray that you would help us to be good stewards of this opportunity. Father, open our eyes to see uh, people that are different from us that may not be able to communicate or participate in society as easily as we are able to. And Father, I pray that you would grant grace to everyone present to, as they decide what to do with what they've heard. And I just thank you again for the partnership with Grace Anglican and uh, look forward to what you have in store with the next partnership. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.